know you are very familiar with the late 80s, early 90s uh, R&B group, Boys to Men, right? You oh, know? yes, I'm so familiar <laughs> with him. All I know is the name. I, I, I couldn't pick one of their songs out of a line. Well, we're not talking about the group today, but we are talking about the subject and the title, Boys to Men. Uh, this is a, a topic that came in from a, a listener, and they wanted to hear some discussion from you, Pastor Dan, about how to turn— I'm, I'm, I, I wanted to say the phrase, turn boys into men— but hopefully boys do become men at some point. Um, so how, what does that process look like? What is that journey like? What can we do as parents to ensure that our boys do become men? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that if this ever, you know, were to have somebody edit this next 21 minutes, um, I could get canceled for some of the things I'm getting ready to say. And I'll but be I'm, doing that later. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your ministry. <laughs> That I, so I want to approach this. We, you know, I'm nervous about this topic. You know why I'm nervous is because the culture has completely lost its mind mm, when yeah. it comes to things like gender. Um, so, you know, I'm at the age in life where uh, if you want to cancel me, cancel me. Um, I'm going to, uh, to, 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 to sit on a beach somewhere or something. <laughs> but the, the reality is God made little boys different than he made little girls. Um, let's what a radical know, statement, isn't it, isn't Dan. It, isn't the fact that we would say that I know. And, and worry about the reaction, but at this point, I, I just don't care anymore. It, the, the, the reality is, is that there are only two genders. You're either male or you're female. You either have an X chromosome or a Y chromosome. And this is the way God designed us. The whole world can lose its mind. It can restructure it. It can buy into this, uh, this, this cultural Marxism that wants to erase any distinguishing differences and, and, and so forth. But I'm not buying into it because the Word of God doesn't teach it. And, and so as parents, this is where it's complicated. I mean, you've got, you've got boys, young, young boys. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've, you know, I've got a grandson who's, who's six, uh, but my boys are, you know, I got a U.S. Marine who's in the infantry, so you don't want to give him any lip. <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, it was easier for me than it is going to be for you. And it's going to be hard for your boys if they have boys. How do I teach them to grow up masculine? How do I teach them to grow up as leaders, confident in their sexuality, confident in the difference that, that, um, being a man is. And the difference does not mean superiority. The difference simply means difference. It's it's about roles. It's not about rights. It's about responsibilities. And it's not about status. So uh, women are very important to God. Um, without a woman, uh, man is incomplete. Mm-hmm. Uh, God established that very early in his creation, that Adam was not doing well alone. And he didn't create another dude for him. He created a woman for him. And a a good woman completes a man, and a good man completes a woman. This is the way it's supposed to be. But now in in today's uh, insanity, and that's just the best word I can come up for it that isn't rated PG. (laughs) In, In this insanity, what we have done is we're erasing the lines, and it's directed more toward young boys and young men, and we're erasing the traits of masculinity that God has literally designed into their DNA. So that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this topic today. And I think there's some confusion, too, because you do hear masculinity, and growing up it was always beer and football, and, you know, that yeah. was that made a man a man. Let's go hunting and all. Yeah. And then somewhere along Break the way— things and kill people. Exactly. Yeah. And then somewhere along the way it was like, well— should we still have emotions? Is it okay to have emotions? Well, if you cry as a man, then you must not be a man. Right. right. And somewhere we've lost that, that a man can have emotions and still cry, mm-hmm. but also still 
fulfill the role of what a man should be and a masculine man should be. Yeah, and that's one of my points I'm going to want to make in a, in a, in a moment. Uh, I, I want to address the term toxic masculinity because mm. I believe there is such a yeah. thing as toxic masculinity. When you take characteristics of maleness, aggression, um, strength, and you use them in a way that abuses others or infringes upon others, that is toxic. So I'm not one of these guys that's going to walk around and tell you, you say, ah, oh, that's toxic, that's a, that's a bunch of feminist mumbo-jumbo. No, I've known some men that I think are inherently toxic. Uh, you know, add a pint of Jack Daniels and and uh, a couple of three guys in a, in, uh, with them in a football game, and, and you got a disaster for, mm-hmm. you know, coming. There's going to be violence, there's going to be profanity, there's going to be... That's toxic. That's outside of the way God created us to be. At the same time, um, most of us have uh, who have had children, and understand, I had a friend of mine who, um, he had three boys, and he was really sensitive about this, and he said, you know, I'm not going to give my kids guns, um, which was kind of weird for me because I grew up in the country, but he was a city boy, and he said, I'm going to give my boys guns because um, I don't want them to learn violence and the guns, are, you know, I don't want, I want them to have proper respect for firearms. And so, I, you know, it's his business, his kids. I wasn't adding to it. I came back a couple of months later, and uh, there are guns everywhere. There's Nerf guns. <laughs> there's cap guns. There's, and I said, dude, what happened? And he goes, he said, I just gave up. He said, they were using chicken fingers and biting their toast into the shape of guns and <laughs> pointing them at each other. And I finally just said, they're going to do it, so I'm just going to let them have a good time doing it. But why do they do that? It's like it's ingrained in them, yeah, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's part yeah. of who boys are. They run through the woods. They take off their shirts. They they belch. You know, it's it, they're just different. And having two boys and two girls in my house, it's it's stark. Part of that is the way God created us. It's a difference between um, the, the amount of testosterone you've got in your body. Um, and there are probably things we've yet to discover. Uh, but But the reality is... Part of being a dad needs to be helping your kids embrace their identity and their creation in in God's design um, without taking it to an unhealthy level. And, and then also using the moderation of truth to keep us on rails, uh, so to speak. And I think that's true of masculinity. I think it's true of femininity. I do want to add this here, and it's one of my points, is I believe there's a spectrum of masculinity that we need to be aware of. Uh, you know, I'm an educator. My doctorate's in educational leadership. I've done a lot of study on um, how kids think and process information. Um, no two kids learn the same. Uh, no, no, you know, there's just a wide variety. I think we can all understand that. Um, the, but the, one of the things I think we need to, to do, and I'm not talking about sexuality. I'm talking about masculinity. There is a spectrum of masculinity. Um, there are these, you know, I have a son who's 34 now. Uh, that kid was born with abs. I mean, <laughs> before he could walk, he was doing setups. I, I sat with him in the pediatrician's office one day and held his feet, and he was bored and, and antsy. And he did like 30 or 40 setups, just boom, 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 just setting up. I mean, he was a beast. And he grew up, you, you know, he wasn't particularly tall for, for years, but he had muscle definition that was incredible. I, on the other hand, my dad was 6'2", six, 6'3", six, um, you know, but we're, he was lanky. <laughs> my mom's very petite. Um, I worked on a farm. Uh, m- my biceps look like almonds. 
<laughs> I, I had no definition. Doesn't sound like you worked very hard on that farm, <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it felt like. <laughs> I, you know, I could eat, I could eat, literally, I would sit down and eat three or four sandwiches. And when I got married, I weighed 127. I mean, I couldn't put on weight. I couldn't put on muscle. That's just not how I was constructed. So that's a physical characteristic. But also, you know, um, I, I know I know some guys are very creative. They're very musical. I, I've got a good friend who's just like the man's man. He loves sports. He's a big this. And and he has one son, and his son is the the the, the most musical kid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, he loves anything music. He loves creed. And he wouldn't get out in the sun and play with a ball if you put a gun to his head. Now, he's... He's heterosexual. He's married. He's you know, uh, he's, but he is just creative. Mm-hmm. So we have to understand that uh, the the same mother that gave birth to masculine Uber hunter Esau uh, gave birth to uh, stay at home cooking uh, milder guy conniver at some level <laughs> Jacob right yes uh, yeah. they both came out of the same DNA pool <laughs> they both came out of the same womb. Uh, almost at the same time, uh, but there was a complete difference between the two. Understand that's part of God's design as well. So there is this spectrum. I don't think that we need to be overly concerned uh, that if you know your your child doesn't like football or if your child only likes music or whatever, that there's something broken about them. No, that's part of the mystery and wonder of God's design. Um, but in the end, men tend to have some common characteristics that we need to nurture and mold and and help our young men attain. So let's narrow our focus down to, we've discussed the difference between uh, men and women, which I hate we even had to do, but we had mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is a difference, but let's focus on now fathers. How can you help lead boys into becoming men? And the first point we have here today is focus on modeling. So get yourself a runway mm-hmm. in your living room and let him walk up into... Is that that's not the that's kind of not modeling, the modeling I'm talking oh, about? Okay, no, no, he's we don't want to become an Amber Crombie model, right? <laughs> uh, Lord knows we don't want him to become that. No, what the kind of modeling I'm talking about is expose your kids to masculine role models. Um, have them have them read about great male leaders. Have them, uh, and and we see a lot of emphasis on this again from women because for many years. Um, you know, we didn't talk about great women. We didn't we didn't write books and put them in the kids' library about women. Today, we've almost over we have overcorrected, so that um, we uh, sometimes the, even when we have our young boys learning about men, we're learning about their bad traits, but not their good traits. So I would say, as parents, we ought to intentionally expose our kids to role models that are going to be within. You say, well, my kid's musical. Okay, then let's talk about Beethoven. <laughs> yeah. Let's let, let's t- you know, and Beethoven had some issues, but uh, let, let's let's talk about some the great artists of of history, and and why uh, many many artists did their craft so they glorify God. Mm-hmm. There's things to yeah. learn from that, um, or it could be an athlete. And there's some good athletic role models that you know. I'm, I'm a big Tim Tebow fan. Um, um, and, and he seems to be kind of like the evangelical whatever, <laughs> which kind of gets tiresome after all. <laughs> but there are other athletes. I've known some professional athletes that were good, solid people. Uh, but we don't follow them because of their athletic pro- prowess. We ought to follow them because of their character and their and, and their biblical foundation. So, you know, politicians, all of those. But let me just say this. The most important model your child will ever have in their life is dad. 
and dad, you need to be there. And you need to be the one. And sometimes dads kind of get this idea, well, you know, while they're little, they, you know, they, they want to go to mom when they skin their knee, they run to mom. So I'm really not that important. And that's just simply not true. Uh, by the way, I, you know, dads, I don't think it's lacking in masculinity for you to change a diaper or two. Um, and, and that's where kind of like for years, I think, in our culture, um, we almost uh, overcompensated uh, in, into this realm of uber masculinity where uh, men disconnected from their children because that was a woman's job. Mm. Um, I think a woman does a better job at it than men, quite honestly. You know, my kids preferred my wife to. But if my wife needed a break or if she was doing something, I can change a diaper. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never known a man to die from plugging in a vacuum cleaner. It can happen. (laughs) And I can cook a mean hot dog. You know, I mean, I may not be able to do a gourmet meal, but I can I can take care of my family. I'm not as good at it as my wife. Yeah. Uh, I don't notice things that she does. She can read things. But. Being engaged, you know, it's it's kind of the, the joke when when uh, mom plays with the kids, she gitchy goos and she baby talks. And when dad plays with the kids, he's throwing them up in the air Wrestle. and he's wrestling yep. with them and he's breaking stuff. And I think both of those are good. And you say, well, my, my daughter uh, likes to wrestle too. Is that okay? Yeah, it is okay. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're children. Yeah. They need to be the rough and tumble. And they need to see this is what dads do. Um, but... Uh, that modeling, that presence, and the presence is something that I think few of us understand the power of presence in our kids' life uh, to the extent that we need to when they're young like that. And uh, the the resonance of the male voice singing to a child is different than that of mom. And I think they ought to hear it. They We ought to tuck them in. We ought to pray over them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of being a good dad. But that constant presence is part of modeling. Um, next up, we have uh, don't try to change your son, but try to mold him. And I think this is super important because so many people want to just lay the hammer down and, and you're not going the way I think you should be going, so change. And that's yeah, yeah. never going to work. Yeah, it's not going to work. It's it's the person whose son is musical and they enroll him in all the sports. Don't, don't provide him with musical outlets because their view of – what they expected from their son was to get a, you know, Division One scholarship mm-hmm. somewhere. And it's just not going to happen unless they're going to be in the marching band. It's just not going <laughs> to happen. Um, and we, we, need, we need to let your kid be who they are, but, but mold them rather than try to change them. Um, th- that'll help your relationship, and it will also help them. You know, my parents were, were smart with me. Again, I, I was a farm kid. I liked animals. You know, I loved to read because I was a sickly kid, so I'd read anything. Um, but, uh, you know, I grew up in the country where my only playmates were my siblings for the most part. Um, sports was not something I was particularly good at. And I played sports in high school, but it, also I attended a high school with fewer than 50 students in it. So we all played every sport because that's the only way we could have a team. And I certainly was n- not in the Hall of Fame. Um, <laughs> but... The reality is my parents, when I was little, they put me in Little League, and I stunk at that. Um, they offered me piano lessons. And I did that for a while, mm-hmm. but I wasn't really good at music either. But they kept putting these different things in front of me, um, and then they had me write um, in an essay contest. I had a $100 prize in those days. 100 bucks was a big buck. So why don't you do this? Would you like to write? And I did, and I won. And all of a sudden, that spark burst. And so I did another one, and I won it. And, and then I read one of my essays and I won a speech contest. My high school years were spent public speaking and writing. 
Now, little did I know at that time that I would go into education, eventually ministry. Um, but those were the areas that I was, I wasn't going to ever be a great athlete. I wasn't built for it. I wasn't even interested in it. I, I like sports, but I wasn't great at it. I wasn't ever going to be a great musician. I liked music, but I wasn't great at it. But what I was good at was talking and writing. And so they did. But in order to mold me, they first had to identify that. And the way they identified it is they gave me multiple opportunities across the spectrum. Yeah. And they saw what piqued my interest. I think that's a wise thing for any parent to do. I think that is very important. Give your child as many opportunities as you can. Don't try to force them into the one thing you think they should be doing. Yeah, and that's really crucial, Britt, because there's a lot of dads who are trying to vicariously live mm-hmm. through their kids. Yeah. And, and by putting them in every sport and, and so forth with this idea that somehow they're going to be, you know, that two-tenths of 100% that, <laughs> That, you know, that gets an NFL or yeah, NBA contract. Yeah. Um, Dan, this next one is about sexuality. And uh, it feels like as each passing year goes by that you need to talk to your kids about this sooner and sooner and sooner. And it just grieves me to know that I need to tell my seven-year-old and my five-year-old things that they have no concept of just yet. But I feel like yeah. if I if I don't do it, someone else is. So um, just how, how do we help our children navigate their, their sexuality proactively? Yeah, and in yeah, like 45 or 60 seconds, it's never. I'm never going to be able to get into this as far as I want to. Because today we have so much gender confusion, I, I do want to say this. It is not abnormal for your five-year-old to want to clump around in mom's high heel shoes. Yes. Because they make noise and they make him taller. This does not mean that he's having questions about his gender identity. (laughs) It means that he likes to walk around in his mom's high heel shoes. It does not mean if your daughter wants to wear daddy's boots that she's, you know, well, she's either going to be a lesbian or she's going to be trans. No, that is not what it means. It means daddy's boots are cool and they're heavy and I like daddy and so I'm going to try those. When your kids are three, four, five, six, seven, eight years old, they're not thinking sex. And the perverts in this country who are trying to superimpose that on our kids mm-hmm. by doing such horrific things as taking them to everything from drag queen shows to letting them uh, wear makeup and hair bobs of their boys and, and uh, you, you know, have talks about hormonal replacement and, and all this kind of stuff for their little girls. Uh, to me, it's child abuse. And quite frankly, I don't think they're worthy to be parents. Um, and if you don't like that, tough. The, the, the reality is, is this, we are going to create a firestorm of difficulty for some adults in the future who have been reprogrammed prematurely. Kids ought to be playing with guns and toys and dolls and plastic lawnmowers and, and teapots. Uh, they, they're not thinking about sex, sexual identity, gender, gender roles. They're just wanting to have a good time. Mm-hmm. Let your kids be kids. And quit this nonsense of trying to form and reshape them at this early age. You say, well, well I'm a little worried because my, my, my son is rather feminine or my daughter is rather masculine or whatever. Mold, but don't, but, but don't freak out over it. It's when the hormones hit that things tend to place themselves out. Now, the reality is there's a certain percentage of, of boys and girls who are going to struggle with sexual um, uh, attraction issues. Um, and I've known some wonderful Christian men and women who who struggle with that. How that works, I'm not quite sure. You know, we have a fallen sin nature. Something happened at, at the fall. Some of us got bad tempers. Some of us got uh, inclination to steal and cheat and lie. Some of us got the inclination to go outside of our, our, our normal sexual patterns and so forth. But I would say this, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It doesn't matter what area of sinfulness you struggle with, and we all have one, whether we want to admit it or not, we all have one. 
God is able to get us through this and, and able to keep for us to live fulfilled lives within his design and divine order. Um, but the, the, the reality is your kids now in this generation are getting messages about their sexuality and their gender and so forth from a thousand different places, and you need to be in front of it, and you need to be protective. And I would know what books my kids have in their classroom library. Mm-hmm. I would let, and I would let the teacher know, these are my values. Don't you dare cross them, because if you do, you're going to give account to me. You pay their salary. You're the tax collector. You start with the teacher. You go to the principal. You go to the school board. You do what it takes to protect your kids. It's as dangerous as putting a loaded gun in your kid's backpack as it is to to put some of this garbage that they've got in libraries and some of the stuff they're teaching and and look at some of the stuff that some of these teachers are doing in classrooms uh, around the country, uh, pushing this 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 bizarre agenda of sexualizing children uh, in, in, into their minds. Parents, gotta be, and if you need to pull your kids out of public school, then do it. Put them in a Christian school, work a second job, homeschool, do whatever you got to do. This is a big battle. And I want to just kind of, I don't think we should un- say, well, my kids are eventually going to get exposed to it. Well, you don't send your eight-year-old to war. Mm-hmm. You send your 18-year-old to war. And you don't even want to send them to war. But if you're going to have to send them to war, you wait until they're old enough to hold the gun and know how to use it. You don't send them when they're eight years old. And we're sending our kids to philosophical, spiritual, emotional war at eight years old. And no wonder they're collapsing under it. And I've run out of time already. <laughs> I know. We can never get through all of these. Uh, <laughs> let me Let me just say to that last point, there's a TV show, Jurassic Park Camp Cretaceous, that's on Netflix. And it's a cartoon. It's a kid's show. Uh, Jurassic Park. It's dinosaurs. It's fun. It's been on for four seasons, and the fifth season just came out. And before they watched it, I hopped on and did a quick review, Common Sense Media or wherever you can find them, and found out two of the girls that have been friends throughout the whole show fall in love this last season and kiss. Yeah. And so we've had to tell our seven- and five-year-olds they can't watch it. Right. And, of course, we tried to say there's things in there that we don't want you seeing. And then they pushed it a little further. There's things in there God doesn't want us to do. God mm-hmm. created us to as a certain way. And then they pushed it further. So I'm saying all that to say, as a parent, you have to be ready to defend it. Because what it eventually led to is, hey, there's two girls in there kissing. God designed a male and a female to be together. What's wrong with two girls kissing? Right. Well, then we have to discuss that. And finally, I said, you know what? Two girls or a guy and a girl, I don't really want you watching anybody kissing right yeah, now. Uh, you don't need to see that. Right. Watch a dinosaur run around and chase people. Okay, you you think it's fun. It's a cartoon. But but to put sexuality in anything, no matter what it is, is, is not okay at this age. But then to blatantly put the the LGBTQ agenda in there and then uh, force that upon people to watch, uh, not okay. Because nothing leading up to this, these two, you never would have thought, oh, they're going to fall in love later. I probably should stop watching this. So, and let's you, call it what it is. It's grooming. It, uh, yes. They're desensitizing uh, to a point where it normalizes. Normalizes becomes acceptance. Acceptance becomes celebration. Celebra- celebration moves to joining. And, and, and opposing it is hate. And, mm-hmm. and so this progression, it's happened very rapidly, but it's very dangerous and it's grooming. Not only is it grooming, it is pitting parents and their values, historical values that have been in place in, on this planet since the beginning of civilization. And it's putting them at odds with their own children in their own home. It's criminal. It's yeah. criminal what they're yeah. doing. And it's forcing you to have conversation with your kids way earlier than you should have to. But yes. 
as a parent, you have to have them. You and, have to have them or you're going to lose your children. And you need to be proactively looking for it. Yes. Just like you check your doors at night to make sure they're locked and your windows are locked, you need to be checking for the influences that are creeping into your kid's yeah, life. Yeah, because it's everywhere. Peppa Pig's going to have an episode where there's two moms. Like a, a show, an innocent show that everybody watches. And we, we try to stay up this on all this stuff. makes me so, so glad my kids are adults. <laughs> but I worry about it my It makes grandkids. me want to turn everything off that we have. So yeah. uh, I'm, I, I said that story and I told you all that to know that, that there are people out there struggling with how to handle these things with their children. And so you're not alone. And I'll close this by saying you aren't alone. If you have a child that you feel like you're struggling with to, to raise or you don't know exactly how to take them down this path to, to be a masculine male, not in a toxic way, but just a masculine male that can be a good member of society, there's people out there to help. You can always find somebody. Call call a pastor if you need to. Call somebody that leads a small group. Talk to a friend. There's someone out there that can lend a hand and talk and help you through all of these steps. Well, that does it for this episode of Life Talks. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit LifeCharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.